Welcome to our third segment of this afternoon's program. It's Sunday, the 12th of September, 2021. Uh, it is now 2.23 in the studio. I'm your host, Kieran Murdoch. The management of the Royalton Hotel has come under a lot of criticism recently um, from regular citizens and residents uh, who happened to view videos of what appeared to be a party-like event at a pool reportedly on its premises. Uh, there were dozens of people visible in the scenes that were shared, uh, and the event reportedly went on for more than a day. Uh, people could be seen closely together, filling up a pool, uh, dancing to music. Uh, no distancing or masks or restricted numbers. Uh, it appears to have been a promoted event. Uh, it has upset many people who feel that what they saw was reckless. Uh, it has upset people who feel that there is lax enforcement of COVID rules when it comes to hotels and what they allow on their properties. Uh, on this very program back in February, we discussed an event at the Hodges Bay Resort that became controversial for a Valentine's event that was uh, populated in a party-like atmosphere and where COVID rules did not appear to be observed. Uh, now, coming back to the event at Royalton, which has created the most recent controversy, uh, the police have not, to my knowledge, made uh, any statements on the issue, although I stand to be corrected. Uh, but in the meantime, the Minister of Information, Melford Nicholas, and the Prime Minister's Chief of Staff, Max Hurst, um, have made statements, and they have indicated that the issue was discussed at the Cabinet level, and have said to the effect that uh, it was a matter for the uh, law enforcement and the uh, Director of Public Prosecutions. Um, Public Safety Minister Stedroy Benjamin, prior to that cabinet meeting, which was last Wednesday, um, said that his department received a letter from the management of Royalton about the large pool gathering at the hotel. Uh, the contents of the letter are unknown, however. Um, of course, before that, the Ministry of Tourism had reached out to the management of the hotel seeking an explanation for the matter. Uh, this, of course, after videos uh, were circulating. Um, an Antigua Newsroom story about the social media comment of a supposed attendee at the pool party uh, has quoted a person as defending what happened on the grounds that attendees were vaccinated. Again, details about this event are piecemeal since the Royalton itself has not made any significant statement about it up to this point, uh, at least not offering a lot of clarity. Uh, we did reach out to the management of Royalton to offer them an opportunity to appear on this program this afternoon, uh, but we were told that the general manager uh, was away on business. Uh, we got that response today. Uh, we have since offered to read any statement that the Royalton might wish to have aired as part of this program, and we do await a reply, um, as we are open to doing so. Uh, it's worth mentioning uh, as well that around mid-August, it was revealed that there had been a number of COVID-positive cases at the hotel, uh, 31 in fact, after 500 employees were tested. Um, so on this segment, we'll be asking what, if anything, was wrong with what we saw happening at the hotel and should anyone be made accountable. Uh, joining our panel for this discussion, we're happy to have with us Mr. Greg Phillip. He joins us from St. Kitts and Nevis. Uh, Mr. Greg Bernard Phillip, he is the CEO of Nevis Sun Tours, which is a tour operator and destination management company in St. Kitts and Nevis. Uh, he is a former CEO of the St. Kitts and Nevis Tourism Authority, of the Nevis Tourism Authority, rather. Uh, and he is the author of the book, The Truth About Early Birds and Worms, How Travel Businesses Survive and Thrive After COVID-19. Uh, good afternoon to you, Mr. Greg Phillip, and how are you doing to say, today? Good afternoon, Kevin. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're joined as well from Antigua and Barbuda by Mr. David Spencer. Uh, he is a community activist and he's co-host of Movement Radio, a weekly program on Observer Radio devoted to political and social activism. Uh, good afternoon to you, Mr. David Spencer. How are you doing? Oh, Mr. Spencer, we haven't heard you. I'm not sure 
I see you are unmuted, but we haven't heard you as yet. Uh, we'll see what we can do about that. Um, we're, we're finally joined by um, Dr. Gerald Thompson. He joins us from St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Dr. Gerald Thompson uh, is a medical doctor, and he is a specialist on infectious diseases. Thank uh, you. He actually serves as uh, an advisor to the St. Vincent and the Grenadines COVID-19 Task Force. Uh, but good afternoon to you, Dr. Gerald Thompson. How are you doing? Good afternoon, a present. Uh, good afternoon to everyone, all your listeners. Good afternoon. Uh, Mr. David Spencer, I, I can hear you now. Uh, can yeah. you hear me and how are you hearing me now? Yes, quite Yes, clearly. okay. Good. Sorry about that. Good afternoon and I'm good, thanks. Not good a problem. Good afternoon to the other panelists. I wonder if I could put the first question yeah. to you, Mr. Spencer, um, uh, just, just to get your reaction to, to uh, what has been seen uh, at the... Um, as having taken place at the Royalton, and what has, has happened around it. We would have seen those videos come out. We would have seen a, a public backlash, especially on social media and in, in, in places where persons can comment publicly. Uh, the Ministry of Tourism said it would uh, seek to investigate what happened. Uh, we were told by the Public Safety Minister that the management of the hotel responded in writing. Um, we, we were told, of course, that uh, Cabinet Ministers discussed the issue, uh, and then uh, they made statements to the effect of that uh, the issue is something that warrants uh, police attention um what is your reaction so far to all of it okay my reaction is basically still a matter of processing what has happened i've seen the video the optics are bad they look bad i try to understand um, what went down in the context of a royal turn and uh, the context of the the role of the tourism sector in the economy of Antigua and barbuda the need for um, us to once again ensure that we have a significant uptick in economic activity uh, whilst the challenge exists in preserving livelihoods and minimizing the spread of the COVID virus. Um, the optics look bad from the perspective of uh, local people who um, have been restricted and feel this sense of restriction restriction in their movement and normal social activities. And here they would have seen a group of um, people. And um, we're still, I think, to yet to get to the bottom of who these people are really. Are they um, significantly a group of tourists who were brought here in a bubble by Walton? Or are they also a mixture of Antiguans? And the, the, the extent of mixed messaging that would have uh, come out, as we have been saying throughout this um, pandemic, one of the challenges of the government has been the issue of mixed messaging that has come out and also the issue of the role of the messenger. Who are the messengers? Who are the persons who have been charged? And the issue of trust and credibility um, that would have been given to these persons by the public. So these I am still in the process of, you know, processing it from those pers perspectives looking at the challenges and the issue of community spread that could be part of this activity and insofar as the hotel workers being at the forefront would have been exposed and the extent to which we are also advise that persons who are vaccinated still have the capacity to spread the virus mm -hmm. so these are all issues that are i'm still processing also inclusive in that is the response of the government and the fact that here it is that the the um, position seemed to be by the minister of 
um, national security that the police will investigate. Mm-hmm. And so the question really is whether um, crimes were committed, and if so, um, will the police then be given a free hand to investigate? Uh, Mr. Greg Phillip um, I, and Mr. David Spencer touched on this. Uh, a, a lot of the um, upsetness and the, a lot of the reaction to this has has been along the lines of of a feeling of a double standard, uh, and it's 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 yep. a comment that um, many people often make in terms of uh, the 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 rigor with which they see protocols enforced amongst the general population of residents who 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 live here all the time, um, as opposed to what they sometimes see coming out as happening on hotel properties, or or if they see people who they assume to be visitors, not always the case, but who they assume to be visitors um, on a beach uh, 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 adjacent to a hotel. Uh, do you have that same dynamic in St. Kitts and Nevis that, that sometimes there's a feeling of a double standard? Uh, and, and have you ever seen anything like this? Do you have, have you had a similar incident? No, we, we haven't had similar incident. But what I can say about St. Kitts and Nevis and the way we have been enforcing the protocols is that um, what's good for one is good for the other as we say what's good for the goose is good for the gander we've had situations where multiple situations where tourists have been arrested and charged and in fact have gone to court been convicted etc um as it relates to breaking the protocols that that we have here in St. and Nevis and you know with regards to where they can go what they can do etc We've we've had that, and that is something that that the authorities here are serious about and enforce. But um, if I make you and what what this topic brought to mind for me is the fact that one one thing we must note, which was something we already know, but we have to articulate it now with challenges like these. Number one is that COVID nineteen is a global issue, and number two, the travel and tourism is a global industry and because of that we're we're going to have these types of clashes i mean even before covid 19 there's a number of um issues that we could look at here in the caribbean where we can say that there have been clashes and, and maybe not clashes but the potential for clashes um the drinking age for example in in most of our islands might be 18 years old but in america for example it's 21 so um we also have the situation where in America, certain states, um, obviously marijuana is um, completely legal or it's it's decriminalized. But here in the Caribbean, in our countries, our laws have not kept up with that. So so there, there are going to be issues like these. And what's important is that within our local jurisdictions, um, our laws must be enforced. Uh, uh, if I could come to you, Dr. Gerald Thompson, to ask you a question more along medical lines, um, and that is that uh, when it comes to persons who are vaccinated, uh, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, it's the reason I'm asking you the question, um, I think the current understanding is that persons who are vaccinated can sp- still spread COVID amongst each other um, significantly. Uh, what, what is the, what is the, what is the, 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 the current guidance on on that question because and the reason i ask it is because uh, there was a defense mounted in commentary by uh, one person a supposed attendee that said uh, that they were vaccinated suggesting that persons in attendance were vaccinated uh, and it has been a, a theme 
uh, over the, the past few months, um, sometimes deliberately, sometimes not, um, that persons who are vaccinated can uh, conduct themselves as if there was no COVID-19 virus, no mass, no distancing, don't worry about numbers. Um, but that is not the case, is it? But uh, I, I await your response, Dr. Gerald Thompson. Yes, now th this is a very complex issue that I think is misunderstood. There's no doubt that the pandemic as it is today is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. There's no doubt about that. When we say that a vaccine is 80, 90, 92% effective, what we are also saying is not 100%, but it is up there. Um, the pass mark for a vaccine is 50%. So when you're seeing something in that range of 80 something to 90%, it's excellent. But what that also means is that there's 10% of persons about who even though receiving the vaccine, the antibody response may not be adequate. They may not have mounted it, it sufficiently or it may fade very quickly. And so they are susceptible to um, the vax to the virus, uh, maybe not to the same degree as an unvaccinated person. And if they do catch the, um, the, the virus, they will, may well catch it in a milder fashion, sneezing, runny nose, and, 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 and a headache. That's all they typically see. And, uh, but, but what we have seen is that the viral load inside their nostrils may be high, or the amount of, of virus particles and so forth that's there may be high, but the virus that's getting through the tissue through receptors called ACE2 receptors into their bloodstream and so forth may be limited by the antibody response. So in answer to your question, um, yes, some vaccinated persons can still transmit the infection, but to a great extent, they are still protected from um, uh, catching the virus. And this has been the big question and the big statement. People have been saying, if the vi vaccine doesn't protect you and doesn't prevent transmission, then what is the point of taking it? They have skipped out the word fully protected, you know, and taken it out so that now they're now giving the impression the vaccines are ineffective. But in truth, they are still highly effective at pre protecting and preventing infection. Now, a, va a vaccine isn't going to be a hand sanitizer is not going to the antibodies not going to come through the pores of your palms of your hands to sanitize your hands so if you shake somebody who's positive you're going to get it on your hands and if that person also touches their nose they may well colonize the nose but it is the ability of the virus then to get through that those receptors in the back of the nose back of the tongue into your body and cause a full-fledged infection. And the way in which we detect somebody who's positive is by picking up the amount of virus inside the nostrils, and we test it that way. In, in, in adding, this is a complex issue for a country that is tourism-based, um, that is looking to attract people. Clearly, here in St. Vincent, we have established some protocols where people are able to have events of vaccinated people. And you trust the issue that 
by having just vaccinated person, the chances of transmission or or so is going to be very very limited let me ask you let me jump in let me let me let me jump in now sorry to stop you want to jump in there to ask you when you do because we 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 have we have um uh, tried that in antigua and barbuda as well i'm not sure to what extent we're still doing it we maybe i don't know uh, in terms of uh uh, fets and events for only vaccinated persons but um in your circumstances is it that the public guidance in your situation is that at such events you still require the COVID rules, the masking, the distancing, and, and so on yes. and so forth. You you still you still require those rules. Now, everybody, one of the problems with the rules is that every now and again, for somebody to talk and to eat, they're going to have their mask under their chin. They're going to have their mask hanging from their ears as a neck, as an earring. And there's all sorts of variations of inappropriate use and social distancing. Do you hug somebody? Uh, do, 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 you know, all these things have to be very limited, but and they will tend to um, still increase the risk to some degree. But in normal society, in general, the workplace and so forth, there's still a fair amount of interaction. The ultimate solution is the belief that the vaccines really do work and that unvaccinated persons mixed in with the program what may have happened at the rioting because if somebody's telling me that 33 well uh, i would just i i do i sorry to jump in again but i do just want to say that we don't know that so i don't want to say that um, well well i heard, i saw the report where it says 31 persons tested positive mm, you yeah, know back in august um, yeah. and that was report that was reported to the cabinet if that was the case then it, what it suggests is that there's a a fair and just employees a fair number of staff members out of the 500 employees there are not vaccinated so i don't i don't know that i don't i again i don't i don't I know, know i don't know that i don't i don't want to so, say that so we say hyper so we say hypothetically hypothetically if there is a high percentage of employees at a hotel because of hesitancy because of all sorts of different attitudes who are not vaccinated then even they are going to have a problem and it may be that it's somebody local who may have introduced more than one person's local may have introduced the infection and some of the vaccinated persons may then become positive if they are not um adequately you know um immunized or it may be just that one of the um uh, vaccinated persons or more who immune system hasn't properly responded to the vaccine could be still harboring the thing from having visited somewhere else and brought it into that particular function. It's a complex issue. And the whole question you're asking, should these entire episode be banned in churches and so forth and things like that? I think that um, these are some very complex issues as mm-hmm. you try to resume some element of social life and at the same time protect people mm-hmm. from COVID-19. I will say, as, as I said, I don't know the specifics for Royalton and the vaccination statics, uh, statistics. I will say though that generally I am aware that uh, hotels in Antigua and Barbuda um, uh, in coordination with each other uh, have been uh, quite forceful in terms of requiring their staff to be vaccinated. Um, so, as I said, uh, what, what we don't know, we can't say. Uh, Mr. David Spencer, I'm, 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 I'm wondering to what extent you think there will be any punitive action here. Uh, it's not something we generally hear about when we see incidents of uh, uh, breaches on hotels that the government does, in fact, acknowledge 
uh, was a breach, which uh, seems to be the case in this instance. Um, but do you think there'll be any punitive action that we ultimately hear about? Do you think there should be? Um, we have to be clear as to whether there was a breach. A breach of what? A breach of the the um, the the protocols. Um, the government has called for persons to be vaccinated. If the the majority of the guests at that function were all vaccinated, and and yet they were, um, because we are not clear as to whether government is saying that in addition to being vaccinated, um, it is the protocol and it's a violation of the law, even if you are vaccinated, to, uh, to not wear a mask and not keep the social distance. So is it enough to be vaccinated? And here we have seen, I mean, the, the president was said, Kiran, in July when there was a social, there was an attempt at a FET, there was a FET here, where only the vaccinated were uh, permitted to attend. Was it a case that they were also required to wear masks? Well, let me let me say that to do the social. Yeah. Let me say that because yeah. we did have we did have some of the organizers from them on this on this program, and uh, the, it, that was the case. Well, that was the plan. Um, as, oh, as to oh, what happened, um, right. I mean, well, some, only someone who was there could say, but I know that the plan did include people staying in bubbles, even though everyone was vaccinated, okay. people staying in bubbles, people being masked, people having hand washing and sanitizing stations and all the various protocols. Um, mm. It's an interesting point, this issue of uh, our perception of what we can and cannot do once vaccinated, because clearly you had a large group of people here, uh, and uh, b mm -hmm. between them and how things were allowed, there seems, there might have been the perception that because, let's assume, that if they were all vaccinated, that, you know, strip off the masks, forget the distancing, and, and let's right. gather by the dozens. Right. And given the nature of the event, given the nature of the event, I mean, um, the wearing of masks and social distancing was obviously not a possibility, all right? And so in that case, therefore, um, the question is, um, uh, was a crime committed? And if so, um, it's my view that police should investigate mm. and the per perpetrator or perpetrators should be prosecuted. But the question is, will that happen? Will it happen in the context of um, a government that feels that it needs to to boost and support what level of um, economic activity the tourist sector are involved in? And in the case of Royalton, where they 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 have this own charter and and the the guests can be kept in a bubble, um, I think the government would be, as I would say, would be caught between um, that, that, that rock and the hard place of protecting the lives of the citizens and getting the economy back on track. Mm -hmm. And I think they, they, the government will not, I don't anticipate that there will be any uh, prosecution of the, the proprietor are the managers at Royalton. Mm. Let me let me let me get Mr. Greg Phillip here on the issue of tourism because um, there's there, there are many people who are um, very hesitant and very cautious in in terms of uh, the level of, of of stringency and restrictions that they apply to hotels um, because of course there's the desire to, to to have a thriving tourism industry to have as much money as possible coming into the economy. Of course, at the same time, uh, there's the reality that it, you know it makes no sense to to be lax. Uh, and in so doing, create a public health crisis. Um, 
but Mr. Greg Phillip, in, in terms of us being able to uh, abide by the rules, which are uncomfortable in terms of making life different from how we've always known it, um, and still have a thriving tourism product, uh, is that something we can do? Yeah, I think I think it's something we not only can do, but we'll have to do, especially in the early stages. Uh, um, you know, this is this is a transitionary period for all of us who are involved in tourism. Um, it's a difficult time, but at the same time, we know that there there are certain things as it relates to COVID nineteen that we're just going to have to get used to, and eventually, um, things will get to a point where we can in fact, um, go back to making the sort of living we were making from the tourism trade as we as we were, as we can now, as good as it was before. And, and really, um, this is something that I think that all of us should have expected because it's a big change. Um, the, the fact is that we turn on our TV now and we look at sport events on television and we realize what the situation is in in Europe, in England, um, in North America, that as much as possible, we, we do recognize that things are slowly getting back to normal. But the reality is the people who are expecting to come are those same people. And when they come here, um, they're going to want to do certain things. It's First of all, we're going to make sure, have to make sure that they understand what the laws, the current laws are in our destinations. And apart from what the current laws are, what they themselves, they must understand that, well, what we, what we have transitioned to at home, our transition back to at home, we can't do here. But while I say that, it is, it is yet the incumbent upon us as tourism destinations to make sure that we as quickly as we can um, bring our communities back to that level where we can accept people and and recognize that yes we can um, allow certain events to happen without with people who are vaccinated and um, with certain protocols in place that um, may say well you, know, you don't have to wear a mask or it, basically, we have to get back to the point where we can do things where people don't feel restricted because the restrictions in our communities are increasingly going to deter people from traveling to our destinations. But would you say them to travel? Would you say though that there are some restrictions that we we do have to accept that uh, we just we're just living with for the foreseeable future for years to come? Things that um, uh, I mean, we all we always talk about getting back to normal. Would you accept that there is a level of normalcy that we will just never return to at any point in, in, in the years to come, at any time soon? Um, that, I don't know, uh, unless you have, you know, well and truly mass, a full coverage vaccination, that, that something like uh, a large party, um, even amongst vaccinated people, with people, you know, uh, in and amidst each other and, and, and so on, is, is, is not something that we uh, can allow for the mm -hmm. time being. Well, I, you know, I'm not I'm not a doctor, and the doctor the doctor could um probably shed better light on this, but I'm going to make this statement anyway. I think that at some point, and maybe it's it's a couple of years from now, but at some point we're going to look back at what we're going through now and wonder well, what was this all about, because we're going to we're going to be back to almost normal, and I say that because. I don't. I don't think that where we are now with the current COVID nineteen vaccines, I don't think that that's it. I'm. I'm. 
as a matter of fact, I would be surprised if there's not scientists somewhere right now at work, hard at work, trying to improve um, on the vaccination so that they can get to a point where, in fact, the, the COVID-19 vaccines actually prevent infection 100%. I mean, and I, and I say that um, being someone who was young um, in primary school, yes, when, when the whole um, HIV and AIDS pandemic started and you, you had um, people like Ryan White and um, lots of other people who you, they were famous because they got they got infected with HIV and then eventually developed AIDS and died. But um, we remember in the early 90s when Magic Johnson um, announced that he had he had HIV and everybody think he's going to die. But guess what? He's alive today. And people now know that, you know, when you get when you get infected, it's yes, it's terrible, but it's not a dead sentence. And I'm just saying that when we compare now to back then, we see how far we've come. And I believe that, especially given how quickly the vaccines were developed, I I, I would be surprised, as I said, that there's not um, a team of scientists somewhere now who um, are working on making these vaccines effective to the point where we, if we if we are vaccinated, we actually do not, in fact, get this disease. And once that happens, then I think that normal normalcy normalcy is going to be normal again. Well, if I can put it that way. Let me bring in Dr. Gerald Thompson. Uh, and Dr. Thompson, feel free to respond to anything you've heard thus far. I do want to ask you whether you you, you would agree, perhaps, that um, I see a comment here on the board that we we need to have uh, maybe an effort to clarify the rules for persons who are vaccinated simply to counteract what impression there may be uh, amongst vaccinated persons that hey look you got vaccinated you know it, everything's back to normal don't worry about anything anymore don't worry about any rules uh, just you know take it easy do what you were doing before uh, which is not the case the government has not said that um that is the impression that has been given in some instances but uh, how do you think we should go forward Yes. Now, I believe, and, and this is purely speculation, I suspect the issue was whether an approved application was submitted for the event. Just like if you were having an event for vaccinated persons and you would have received the protocol and procedures of how to go about it, even though you think you know, they would have gone through it again and given you permission. So whether was whether this was a spontaneous thing or whether they had sought permission to have such an event and got the different um, protocols, well, you know, even though it's a pool party and the mask could get wet, you still got to wear some mask and so forth if they are getting into the water and all that sort of stuff. Now, the other thing is, um, whether or not any of the persons, and we spoke speculate as regards the number of persons who were positive, whether any of them were hospitalized, or if any of them become primary deaths, or I've got to say that, or secondary, whether they pass it on to another person, a grandmother, let me jump in quickly. A, a mother. Let me jump in quickly. Yeah. I'm sorry to stop you. I just want to make sure that we, um, just for the public public's benefit, we we um, the positive cases were um, detected uh, some weeks back. Uh, just, I just want to clarify that for the public in terms of the positive yes, cases. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. So sometime that. in the Go past. Yes. Okay, right. Yeah. So, so, so basically, you know, but I think all these things would, 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 would really, and you know, the question that come up about punishment. Punishment can be from a stiff warning. I don't think you know there's any sort of other major punitive action. But I think we live in um, this 
world, and those persons may come from the United States. Back in the United States, Joe Biden have now introduced a series of what I would consider mandatory processes in New York, going to restaurants and all those sort of things. Certain things are required. We've heard of the amber list, uh, red, green amber list in, 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 in the UK, travelers and so forth. And I think that these things are going to be around for um, a little while. Now, I am I am manufacturing these specialists from the HIV era. There's still an HIV pandemic. There's still a pandemic of HIV that we've not been in. Now, the, uh, he's right in that in the early stage, we had 80, 85 percent death rate. Now, death rate from HIV is down to something like 3 percent because of the new drugs. So I, I am very hopeful, but I believe that the quest to find a vaccine that is 100% effective is not absolutely necessary. It's not, it, you don't have to get 100% on a test to pass that test. We basically need numbers. So getting one person 100% protected is not the same as getting more people protected at 90%. And and that is the goal that will crunch, crush this pandemic and stop it. It is true that there may be other pandemics in the future, just like how we had HIV in the 90s, in the 80s, 90s, and we had H1N1 in, 19, in 2009. Basically, we will have others. And I believe that the experience that we have gained will help but it's now a matter of getting people convinced beyond their hesitancy that these vaccines, even though at 90% are effective to the, the highest level of effective that we could really have and trying to get something 100% may not be possible with the methodologies we're using for vaccination. Uh, and uh, Mr. David Spencer, we are coming towards the end of this segment. I think our time was cut a bit short because I might have gone over time uh, at the beginning there. But we, I think we have gotten to the meat of the matter. But I would ask you to leave us with a final word. I'm sorry because we, we, I would like to have carried on this conversation a bit longer. But um, a, a final word, just to, to wrap us up, your thoughts as we, um, we wrap up this, this segment. I mean, clearly, um, clearly vaccinations have been um, said to be a significant contributing factor to us being able to to continue to cope or even look to return into um, to activities of normalcy. I think that it's important that persons who are hesitant to take the vaccinations reconsider, really reconsider um, the short-term and long-term benefits of vaccinations and the extent to which it will assist in us being able to, although I have issues with the term return to normalcy, to us being able to get back to doing some of those activities and being able to ensure that we can preserve the lives even while we um, pursue returning to activities that enhance our livelihood.
And with that, we're going to leave this segment here. I want to say thank you to all three of our guests. We were joined from St. Kitts and Nevis by Mr. Greg Bernard Phillip. He's the Chief Executive Officer of Nevis Sun Tours, which is a tour operator and destination management company in St. Kitts and Nevis. He is a former CEO of the Nevis Tourism Authority, and he is the author of the book, The Truth About Early Birds and Worms, How Travel Business Survives and Thrives After COVID-19. Uh, we were also joined here in Antigua and Barbuda by Mr. David Spencer. He is a community activist and co-host of Movement Radio, which is a weekly program on this station, Observer Radio. Uh, it's devoted, of course, to political and social activism. Uh, and we were joined from St. Vincent and the Grenadines by Dr. Gerald Thompson. Uh, he is a medical doctor and an infectious disease specialist. Dr. Gerald Thompson, if, if you would indulge me for just 30 seconds, uh, we haven't had an update uh, on what's going on in St. Vincent for quite a while. I wonder if, very briefly, you could just tell me, uh, you know, what's happening down there in terms of crisis response and how life is getting on well um luckily in terms of the volcano the scientists have now told us that the volcano is now quiescent uh we still have about five maybe 100 persons in shelters um whose homes were damaged in some way but people have now returned home we're fixing roads and doing all sorts of things rebuilding there's an active process but covid is still uh, you know the call of the day and um, uh, what we are looking to do is to vaccinate. We have a lower vaccination rate than Antigua. We applaud you in that regard, but we're trying. And I think that uh, with the Pfizer, we, we have a higher level of hesitancy for all the reasons. But I think um, surprisingly, we have only had 12 deaths in St. Vincent. We are, we are alarmed by what is going on. And what we're doing, like was said earlier in the program, when they say, well, your neighbor's house is on fire, you wet yours. So we are wetting our house, stocking up on equipment and everything like that. And we are trying to prepare in case there's an outbreak here in Sydney. We see a little uptick, but we can't classify as an outbreak. So we, we, we're pushing along, trudging along, and we've seen some uptake, increasing uptake in vaccinations too. All right, uh, we can leave it there. I say thank you to all three of our guests, and uh, that's a wrap, folks. Thank you.